0: Welcome to Atheist's Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We appreciate you tuning in or streaming this morning. Today is Sunday, October 20th, 2019. I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan, and my guest today is Allison Gill. During this live show, we welcome your phone calls to 952-946-6205, emails to radio at minnesotaatheists.org, or questions on Twitter directed to Atheist's Talk. The non-religious population of the U.S. has grown significantly in the last couple of decades. We're relatively young. We're only a minority non-believer. But aside from that, who are we? What issues are important to us? What do we want from the secular organizations that represent us? Today, we're talking with Allison Gill, American Atheist's Vice President of Legal and Policy, about the U.S. Secular Survey. This is an ambitious survey that just launched with a goal of getting a better picture of American non-believers and other religious non-religious populations now and for the future. Good morning, Allison. Welcome to Atheist's Talk. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So did my introduction do a decent job of presenting the reasons for the U.S. Secular Survey?
1: Yes, I think so. It was fantastic.
0: Are there other um, issues that American Atheists was hoping to address with this?
1: Well, it not only looks at what um, atheists and non-believers and non-religious folks uh, want that out of these secular groups, but also I think it will help arm us with data about these, you know, this population, so that when we go into Congress or state, you know, legislatures, we're able to talk about what issues people face in their daily lives in a way that will be really helpful for advocacy purposes.
0: Excellent. And I did notice that you are getting a lot of support from the major secular organizations in the U.S. Are they expecting to um, be able to, to use this information for their own purposes as well?
1: Yes, we're going to make it. It's not just to benefit American atheists. We're intending for the survey to benefit the entire secular movement. And we're doing that in two ways. We're going to publish um, a significantly, you know, large report about all the data and make it available to everyone who wants it. And we're also going to make the data itself available to um, the rest of the secular movement and also researchers and experts.
0: Excellent. Now, I talked to uh, Juam Navarro-Rivera about a month ago. He's doing a survey um, for Socioanalytica uh, on political behavior of mm-hmm. um, secular – people in the U.S. who are secular um, – again, not just atheists, but, but other people who are not religious. I don't identify with any religion. Um, do you feel like this has any significant overlap with your survey? If if are, should people be picking one or should they be responding to all of them?
1: Well, I you know the truth is that our population is really undersurveyed. We really don't know enough about it, and therefore, I would definitely encourage folks to take you know part in both of these surveys. Uh, Jium was also part of our advisory group for. The U.S. secular survey, so provided some great feedback on you know what we put together. Um, I, I would say that you know the goal here is, is not sort of a population demographic survey, like what we see with Pew and PRI, for example. The goal is to do a, a deeper dive into our community and to really understand um, our issues and and people you know non-believers people's lives in a deep, in a deeper way. Therefore, it's not a population survey. It's more of a convenience sample. We're trying to get as many atheists and non-religious people as possible.
0: Okay. I did notice uh, I've already taken the survey um that one of the questions I mean there obviously are some demographic questions on there, but one of them is related to age cohort. Do you plan to um to use that data to look at how the How the secular landscape is changing as more young people become non-believers?
1: Yes, absolutely. And we know from all the population, you know, demographic surveys that young people are more and more so becoming non-believers. I've seen some surveys that report that the uh, percentage of young people is as high as 13% that identify as atheists or agnostics. So that's an incredible ch- change over time with, the, with this population and this demographic. Um, so when we have this data, we'll be able to report on these different population subgroups. And I also hope in the future, after the report is concluded, to be able to take this data individually and break it out and be able to do reports on just this population, for example, of, of 18 to 24, or also to do you know reports on other subgroups within our community.
0: Now. You've been working at, at American Atheists for a while, and um, obviously the 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 movement has been around for a while. Do you have any kind of predictions on you know how we're we're changing as a group, either uh, between older uh, non-religious people and younger non-religious people, or you know any other way that you expect this to break down?
1: That's a great question. And it's kind of amazing actually. When I, I my background is mostly in the LGBTQ movement. I used to work, for example, at the Human Rights Campaign. And I started with American Atheists back at the beginning of 2018. Um, and the first thing I noticed when I came into the secular movement, more so, is that we have no data about our community in comparison to most other populations and demographics. We don't know many of the things that other populations know about themselves, uh, which makes it much more challenging for us to advocate for ourselves and to really feel like an individual, you know, a community. So I, I and I think one of the biggest differences is that there's no, you know, federal data collection. The federal government does not collect any of this data about religious groups, including, you know, uh, non-religious people. And so I think that makes a huge difference. A lot of the work I did in the LGBT movement was to add questions about sexual orientation and gender identity onto national surveys so we could get you know information about uh, education and health disparities all those sorts of things and that will likely not happen for non-religious folks just because of the the challenges in that um getting you know religion onto national surveys and therefore we really have to do this work ourselves Um, and so I, I don't think I answered your question directly. so if you want to <laughs> reframe it, please feel free.
0: Uh, I, as you have been working through this, and you know atheists are uh, not a notoriously quiet bunch. Um, <laughs> but you know, has that shaped any of your your expectations for um, for what you, you expect to come out of the survey?
1: Sure. You know, we've seen so much excitement about this survey. It's kind of been blown us away. Our, um, you know, we this is like a multi-phase project. The first phase was actually at our national convention in Cincinnati this past year, where we did focus groups because you know you don't want to move into a, a national survey without first understanding what the issues are that people have in the community. So you need to do some some focus groups to help build the survey, and that's because we lack so much data about the community. Um, so people at the convention loved the survey. They loved talking about their stories. It was one of the most popular things we did at, at the convention. Uh, we did about 12 focus group surveys and interviewed about a hundred people. So, you know, we we saw there was a lot of interest there. And when we started moving forward with the national survey, we hoped to get five to ten thousand respondents. On our first day, we got twelve thousand respondents, wow. which just goes to show how much people want this and how much you know interest there is in for for non-religious people to tell their stories and how lacking it is in our culture.
0: All right, were there as you did the focus groups? Because I'm only now connecting them as you mention it. Um, as you did the focus groups, were there? Um, were there concerns that came out uh, or experiences that came out that surprised you and the other people working with American atheists? Um, you know, are there, there are groups, for all, we're a very loud bunch, are there groups we haven't been listening to even within your, your core constituency?
1: Absolutely. I think one thing that was notable was when there were groups of just women, there was a markedly different tone than when there were mixed-gender groups or groups of just men. Uh, women were more able to speak about their experiences in an open way, and also they talked about things that affect them uh, more distinctly, like, for example, the lack of childcare for um, non-religious folks. Like, a lot of people across the country, uh, people of all stripes, go to churches or religious daycares, for example, for young children to allow them to, to work. Um, and that's, a, that's an option that churches have used quite a lot in order for to help with recruitment too. And that's something that non-religious people often lack um, or they have to pretend to be religious in order to get access to sort of daycare for their children. And that was something that came up quite a bit in these focus groups. Um, another thing I did not expect was the number of people that were concerned about things like climate change. Um, most people don't connect that directly with being a secular issue. However, it was one of the most uh, issues that people most often talked about in the focus groups.
0: it there is a certain um, apocalyptic strain in the the people who really don't seem to want us to take it very seriously
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: all right um, I we do need to go pretty soon here to the break. I do, Would like to touch just briefly if it gets long, we'll revisit it when we come back. But why all non religious people instead of just atheists?
1: Sure, that's a great question. Well, you know, people identify in many different ways, and most folks, I think, have multiple identities. Like, for example, I'm both an atheist and a humanist, right? And so we don't want to leave anyone out uh, or you know, um, cut anyone out of the survey, it's meant to be a broad swath of the community and to cover everyone who is non-religious. I feel like, you know, especially if we look at uh, the opposition, they, they don't differentiate between the different groups. They, they consider us all part of the evil, atheist, you know, humanist Secularization yes. of, of America. So why should we we <laughs> All why right. should we exclude people please
0: stay with us through the break and we will return to Atheists Talk with our guest Allison Gill. I'm Stephanie's Van and you're listening to AM nine fifty, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
2: This is
3: New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this
1: generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents.
4: Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday
5: mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources. Habitation Furnishing and Design is simply the best furniture design studio in the Twin Cities. What is a furniture design studio? It's a place where you'll find professional interior designers who are there to help you select the perfect furniture. A single sofa or an entire home. Our designers love making spaces exceptional. When you're shopping for furniture, it makes sense to talk to a professional. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park.
6: Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect.
3: Hi, my name is Mickey McCabe, and I'm the owner of Cucumbers Restaurant at 75th and Francine Dinah. If you've never been to Cucumbers, it's a buffet style restaurant with a huge variety of salads, homemade soups, bakery items, and hot entrees that change daily and nightly. Plus, our always fresh fruit and delicious ice cream. We're open for lunch and dinner, but Sunday brunch is my favorite time at Cucumbers. With scrambled eggs, waffles, French toast, bacon, sausage, baked ham, chicken fajitas, brunch potatoes, warm gooey cinnamon rolls, and many other items to choose from, it's no wonder why Cucumbers has always been a popular Sunday destination. So whether you're looking to skip Mass, some place to go after Mass, or just great food to maintain your Mass, Cucumbers is the answer to your prayers. Bring in your church bulletin or Minnesota atheist newsletter and receive a $2 discount off the buffet price. Cucumbers, one heavenly buffet at 75th and France in Edina.
2: don't believe in God? Join the club. Humanists, atheists, and freethinkers have joined the American Humanist Association since 1941 to advocate for progressive values and equality for non-theists in America. Located in Washington, D.C., the American Humanist Association lobbies Congress on Humanist Issues, protects the rights of atheists in the courts, and supports more than 140 local chapters. Visit us at AmericanHumanist.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter to learn how you can join the club today.
0: 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Atheist's Talk, and I'm your host, Stephanie Zavann. Join us this afternoon at St. Paul's Rondo Public Library for our October public meeting. At 2 p.m. today, August Berkshire, will talk about the many reasons people are not just becoming non-religious, but also losing their belief in a god or gods. The business portion of our meeting does start at 1 p.m. This is a live show, and we welcome questions at 952-946-6205 or email to radio at minnesotaatheists.org. Find us on Twitter or Facebook under Atheists Talk. Today's guest is Allison Gill. Welcome back, Allison. Thank you. So as we were going to commercial, you were talking about the fact that um, the people who are, are Working with us on a lot of these issues are not necessarily non-believers, so we do still want to survey them and not tell them that they don't count. Maybe if they they don't identify the way we want them to or they don't, you know, even if they don't say they don't believe,
1: right? Well, no, not quite. The survey is for non-religious people and non-believers. They just might not identify as atheists. Like, mm-hmm. for example, some identify as humanists or freethinkers or skeptics, but it is for non-religious people. And so um, if a person identifies as a believer, this is not the right survey for them. Okay.
0: So this is not the same. This is not that big population that we call the nuns when we're looking at a Pew survey or something like that.
1: That's exactly right. Yes, okay. the nuns I think is a broader category.
0: All right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what's on the survey. You had a, a section in there about um, people's interactions with family and what they experience. Um, obviously, this is something that we want to be able to talk about as atheists. What kind of um, what kinds of things do you think? Secular organizations are likely to be able to to pull away. What kind of needs needs can we identify and meet?
1: Sure. Well, I guess there's 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 sort of two questions there. I think that had to do well three that had to do with family. One, you know, we know people are often, unfortunately, especially young people, sort of. Um, separated from their family or kicked out of their family based on their beliefs. Um, we know it happens to LGBTQ people, for example, but we don't know the rates at which it might happen to young people that, that identify as non-believers or non-theists, particularly in some more religious areas of the country. Um, you know, we know that happens sometimes when young people go off to college, um, they lose track with their family. So sort of family rejection is one issue that we wanted to look at. Another is concealment, and this doesn't just apply to uh, families. It also applies to other areas of people's lives. Like, for example, um, being at work or at school or just, you know, your your friends. How often do you talk about your beliefs as a non-religious person, or are you more likely to conceal them? And then third, um, is I guess what a category that we call microaggressions. So areas where being a non-religious person uh, results in sort of minor negative experiences that can stigmatize a person. And I'll, I'll give you a good example of that. Often when people go visit their family, for example, they're asked to pretend to be religious for the sake of their um, like at the holidays, for the sake of their, their extended family. Um, and so that, that's something that frequently happens, and it'd be a good example of a, of a microaggression. And so what we have on the survey, one of the questions is sort of like a scale to look at um, how much people conceal their identities, how much people experience those sorts of, that, that level of stigmatization, because that can impact a person's mental health and also other disparities and, and outcomes.
0: And so this is... Um... These questions, and I think you had a similar section on community, and I assume you're talking about both um, at the moment. But so these are are addressing uh, really the outcomes um, of atheists still continuing to be considered a a lesser community in some way.
1: That's exactly right. And, you know, that does vary, I think, by region of the country people live in. And some places, atheists are stigmatized more so than other places. Um, I grew up in New Jersey where no one really cared. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it might be different in the Deep South, for example, or in the Midwest.
0: Right. And, and, you know, I'm in Minnesota, and we don't talk about those things here necessarily, because that's just not polite that in politics we never talk about those um but what that means
1: Stephanie, that's its own level of concealment It is right yeah concealment can be harmful i mean that's why you know we encourage lgbt people to come out and be honest about their that their their lives and identities because concealment can have you know a negative impact on a person's life if they feel afraid to talk about their beliefs
0: right and and that what it means in practice when we don't talk about it is that we are just assumed to be religious, and if we talk about the fact that we're not uh, I did a a library program last year um, helping to just kind of introduce people to atheists and one of the questions that I got was, you know you can't talk about being an atheist basically without telling people that they're they're wrong and mm-hmm. isn't that kind mm-hmm. of rude. And um, so I had to, of course, point out that, well, you know, religious people are doing that to me all the time. Every time they talk about their religion, they're telling me I'm wrong. So it's, it's just a thing. We're going to have to deal with it. But yeah, just the fact that, that we are then all not just defaulted, but breaking the silence on that default is an issue
1: yeah, and I think that this survey will help make it easier for people to uh, come out about their beliefs as well. Um when people see that there are you know large numbers of people in their communities and states that are uh, non-religious, they'll be more able to to be able to talk about their own beliefs. Uh, one aspect of the survey that um, our researcher remarked with that she's never seen before, was we have two open-ended questions at the end of the survey about, you know, people first coming to terms with their beliefs and also any experiences of discrimination. And she's never seen so many people, like such a high percentage of people, uh, write-in responses. You know, in a lot of surveys, people just take it, answer the questions, and they don't bother to add in, write-in responses because it takes extra time. But we've seen about a third of people write-in responses, which really tells you how much people really want to talk about their stories. Uh, so that's that's fantastic. And honestly, we could do a whole other project delving into that sort of qualitative data after this is done.
0: And honestly, we probably should, because people who've been an atheist, well, generally secular organizing for a while, um, get kind of bored with that talk. Not necessarily bored, but feel like there isn't maybe a place... Um, like we don't need to keep doing that forever and ever and obviously either there are things we're not touching on or there is just always going to be this group of people who need that and knowing that is probably a good thing for all of us
1: I agree, I agree and we'll be able to use this data you know, not just the quantitative data from the report but also this sort of story data um, for a number of different purposes like for example for you know we could depending on people's experiences of discrimination talk relate that to policy goals um we can make this available to local groups um as well and they can understand people's experiences in the community as they come out
0: all right we do need to go to commercial when we come back i want to talk about the political issues part of this but please stay with us through the break and we will return to atheists talk with our guest allison gill This is Stephanie van, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
6: I'm Candy Braffle, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview local experts who share the latest in natural holistic approaches in a fun and informative way. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com.
4: Marijuana legalization might not mean a lot to you professionally, but it may to your clients and employees, bankers and investors, property owners and landlords. Minnesota Lawyer has got your back with the CanCon Business Symposium on Wednesday, November 6th at The Depot, Minneapolis. Denver-based researcher the Marijuana Policy Group will present data on the economic impact legislation has had in Colorado and how that might translate to Minnesota. You'll hear from professionals in other states that legalized marijuana about what's at stake for you. Human resources professionals can learn about the effects on employees and how the hiring process could change. Attorneys will learn how to protect their clients. Commercial real estate brokers and agents will hear about investment opportunities from an expert panel. Speakers include Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry, Speaker of the House Ryan Winkler, and Senators Melissa Franzen, Jeff Hayden, and Scott Jensen, as well as several Minnesota business leaders. Learn strategies that work at the CanCon Business Symposium on Wednesday, November 6th at The Depot, Minneapolis. Register now at CanConMN.com
7: atheists secular humanists and free thinkers here you are listening to the minnesota atheists talk radio show Atheist talk we hope you are enjoying it if having a frankly atheist perspective on the radio waves appeals to you please consider making a contribution to our radio fund our contract came up for renewal and we need your help if you want the program to stay on the air That will make sure that you can continue to have opportunities to hear interesting speakers with non-religious perspectives, and you can call up and ask them questions, too. Get the details on our website at minnesotaatheists.org, where you will find buttons to make it easy to make a secure donation through PayPal. Or, if you have a business and would like to reach an intelligent, progressive audience, please contact us through our website. That's minnesotaatheists.org, Or call us at 612-588-7031. If you are interested in us, we are interested in you.
2: Don't believe in God? Join the club. Humanists, atheists, and freethinkers have joined the American Humanist Association since 1941 to advocate for progressive values and equality for non-theists in America. Located in Washington, D.C., the American Humanist Association lobbies Congress on Humanist Issues, protects the rights of atheists in the courts, and supports more than 140 local chapters. Visit us at AmericanHumanist.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter to learn how you can join the club today.
0: Welcome back to Atheist's Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan. Atheist's Talk is an unusual show. Very few places in the U.S. can someone randomly turn on commercial radio and hear a bunch of atheists talking about the topics that interest them. Much of the work to keep us on the air is done by a dedicated group of volunteers, but we need your help, too. Today we'd like to thank in particular Cindy for her monthly sustaining donation and the attendees of the Flying Spaghetti Monster Fifth Sunday Dinner. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation to our radio fund, please visit minnesotaatheists.org or search for Atheists Talk on Patreon and sign up for exclusive content. Atheist Talk is produced with funding from Minnesota Atheists, American Atheists, and Cucumbers Restaurant. If you'd like to advertise on this program, please contact us at radio at minnesotaatheists.org. Our music is composed by member Brent Michael-Davids and used with permission. Opinions expressed on the show are those of the speakers. You can find Minnesota Atheists' public policy positions at minnesotaatheists.org. Consider becoming a member of Minnesota Atheists if you're not already. Support our work and help steer our future direction. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call us at 952-946-6205, email to radio at org, or find Atheists Talk on Twitter or Facebook. This morning, Allison Gill is talking with us about the U.S. Secular Survey. Welcome back, Allison. Thank you. So we've talked uh, quite a bit about the survey at this point, um, but we haven't uh, really touched on the political issues aside from uh, mentioning that some of those came out of your focus groups at this year's American Atheists Convention. Um, What else should we know about this section? Um, Obviously, I think it's going to be used to determine what issues people work on within the secular movement. Is that correct?
1: Yes. um, The purpose of this section of the survey is really to understand what people, well, I guess there's two purposes, what people consider most important, like what what they work on and what issues they consider, you know, critical. So it's not just secular issues. It's a little bit broader. And also there's a you know, follow-up question about what issues they believe it's most important for secular organizations to work on. So we're interested in both issues, like what pe- are people concerned about more broadly and what they think we as American atheists or the other secular groups in the movement should be more focused on.
0: All right. And, I mean, to, for our listeners who may not be aware, some of this comes out of um, years-long let's call them debates, about what the focus of the uh, secular organizations should be and what should be considered, um, let's call it mission drift, because a lot of people have. Um, But when it comes right down to it, you know, a lot of these issues that we're looking at, like I mentioned that climate change, the -hmm. the opposition to climate change has a um, significant, uh, particularly evangelical group, working yes. against it. Um, and a lot of these other issues that, that are brought up on there, um, obviously, abortion rights is an issue, where most of the opposition to that is people trying to impose their religion on everybody. Right?
1: That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of these issues are not just about maintaining the separation of religion and government. They're also about issues where you know, um, religious people try to impose their beliefs on the broader society or on atheists and non-religious people like the ones you're laying out there. And so there's a variety of different, um, issues on the survey. We, you know, we can't list everything. So we did have to be somewhat selective. Um, I kept having to urge my researcher to add more and she kept saying, we can't add more. (laughs) So (laughs) we did what we could there, but, um, you know, they are a little bit broader than just um, the standard issues you think of, like like displays on public land, for example.
0: All right. So people have been listening to us talk about this survey for a good half hour now. Where should people go if they want to take it?
1: Great question. So they should go to secularsurvey.org. So www.secularsurvey.org.
0: All right. And despite the uh, huge push of participation to start with, I, in fact, had server issues. um, You still want more people to take this, obviously.
1: Yes, definitely. Please do. Um, We had originally intended to keep it open to mid-November. We're getting such a response that I'm not sure we're still going to keep it open quite that long, but definitely until the end of this month. And so I encourage everyone to take the survey while we have it open. It's meant to be for all non-religious people uh, who are 18 years or older and, and who reside in the U.S. So th- that's the population that we're serving. And, uh, you know, we, we'd like to get as many people as possible.
0: Excellent. I, I want to pivot here. Um, when I had... Nick Fish on the show in the spring, he talked a little bit about Project Blitz, but I think it would be uh, a shame to have you on the show and not um, explore this in a little more depth because you're kind of the Project Blitz person uh, within the entire movement. Um, First off, can you explain to people what Project Blitz is?
1: Certainly. Project Blitz is a Christian nationalist state legislative campaign. So it's this um, coordinated campaign meant to introduce as much Christian nationalist legislation in states as possible. Uh, it's really focused in three areas, undermining the separation of religion and government, um, undermining LGBTQ equality, and undermining access to reproductive services. And the, the sort of um, the way they do this is through a focus on what they call religious freedom, which is really more of a distorted vision of religious freedom, where they enshrine Christian nationalism into the law.
0: And what does this look like in practice? How are these people organized? What are they actually doing?
1: They have established what they're called prayer caucuses in states around the country. There are, I believe, uh, last count, about 33 different prayer caucuses in different states, including Minnesota. Uh, that focus on this Christian nationalist legislation. We
0: we are the land of Michelle back. Bachman, so we should probably be expecting that. But I'm sorry.
1: Go on. I'm sorry. I didn't catch that.
0: Oh, we are the land of Michelle Bachman. We should probably uh, be expecting that. But that is yes, a digression.
1: Yes. Um, so that's one component of Project Blitz. The other component is this policy guide that they put out. Um, so far, it's been every year. And what it has is about 22, I think, model policies or model pieces of legislation that they're able to introduce in different states. And they're sort of like ALEC, if you've heard of of ALEC, which is more of a corporate business model of taking model bills and introducing them in different states. Well, this is the Christian nationalist version of ALEC, trying to introduce these bills in different states.
0: And... When we're talking about nationalism, because um, that's been, I think, a very misunderstood word over the last few years for a variety of reasons. What what are we talking about with
1: nationalism? I- sure, I think I want to use the term Christian nationalism just to be right. just to be clear, because it's a little bit distinct. Nationalism can mean a lot of things in a lot of different contexts, but Christian nationalism is. It has a number of different associated beliefs and subcategories, but the primary belief is that America was founded as a Christian nation and that we should, we've moved away from that and that we should move back towards being a Christian nation. Things like the separation of religion and government are sort of false and untrue. Um, And I'm just explaining what the belief is, it's not something we believe (laughs) by any any measure. and that basically the the problems that are resulting in America are from moving away from this you know uh, Christian founding
0: and this as you explain that sounds very much like um, the beliefs behind the uh, the groups that were against teaching evolution in the school and for teaching creationism is this kind of a, a response to the the big defeats that those groups were handed uh, over the last decade or so?
1: I I think that's true. I don't think you necessarily need to be a creationist to be a Christian nationalist. I think people uh, probably have different beliefs on that. And I also believe that Christian nationalism is really more of a political movement than a religious movement. I mean, it uses religion to sort of exert control, but it is um, a really concerted, carefully constructed political movement.
0: Oh, Again, though, this is um not though I'm not correcting you i'm I'm don't want to expand on that. This is not a new thing. This is something that we saw to maintain segregation. Um, this is something that we saw um, as the beginning of the push to really lower taxes on mm-hmm. people who make a lot of money and on corporations. um This is what we saw in response to the feminist movement was. Very much political movements um, dressed in religion,
1: absolutely, yes, and this is uh, just a new repackaging of those strains of um, you know what political uh, sort of thought that we've been seeing you're right throughout the throughout our country's history um, you know just taking those ideas like for example people that you tried to use religious the concept of religious freedom to push back on um, non-discrimination laws based on on race or gender. Uh, so it's you know it's it's a, a sort of a reflowering of those sorts of arguments.
0: So how long have Project Blitz been working on this and what kind of progress have they been making?
1: So I I believe Project Blitz got started in 2015, give or take. It's hard to know fully because they're sort of a secretive organization um, and they've become more secretive as they've gotten more attention over the uh, attention over the past year. So um, they have made a significant level of progress though. Uh, I, I said I mentioned that they have thirty three prayer caucuses in different states, and that's been expanding rapidly. Uh, they've also um, I think this past year they've managed to introduce more than eighty pieces of state legislation all across the country in different states. So these are primarily, this year, we saw things like um, Bill's Promoting In God We Trust posters in every school classroom and, you know, in public schools. So mandatory posters to put out the idea that this is basically a a Christian nation through the the motto on school walls. And then the other thing we saw that was very um, popular this year is bills requiring schools to have um, Bible classes. So these are elective Bible classes. Um, this was an issue that was supported by the president. He came out vocally in favor of it. So we just saw an explosion of these types of bills around the country.
0: Well, we do need to, to go to commercial relatively soon, but what other um, kinds of issues or bills, when we're seeing them, should we know are Project Blitz-backed?
1: Sure. Well, some of the other types of bills we see are bills we've actually seen for many years sort of that are brought <clears throat> into the Project Blitz um, policy guide. Things like re- state religious freedom restoration acts, which seek to create religious exemptions in the law. And also bills, for example, that would allow discrimination uh, in foster care and adoption so that you know placement agencies that receive state funding are then able to discriminate based on their religious beliefs, and that primarily affects LGBTQ people, but it also affects single people and atheists and non-religious people.
0: All right. Please stay with us through the break, and we will return to Atheists Talk with our guest Allison Gill. I'm Stephanie Zavann, and you're listening to AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
6: connections radio show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect we examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show. And together, we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
3: Hi, my name is Mickey McCabe. I'm the owner of Cucumber's Restaurant at 75th and France, Dino. Many who have dined at Cucumbers are of the opinion that our buffet has evolved from an older, more country-style buffet. They look at our 50-foot salad bar and can imagine a smaller ancestor with far fewer choices. An ancestor that didn't offer as many hot selections or have a bakery with fresh-baked muffins and breads, didn't offer homemade soups and lacked the fresh fruit and ice cream bar that Cucumbers customers have grown to love. But some will say, where are the transitional buffets? In addition, they look at everything that we offer and say that Cucumbers is irreducibly complex. If you were to move just one of our offerings, the entire buffet wouldn't function. Well, I would like to think that Cucumbers was intelligently designed, since I helped design it. But at the same time, it truly is an evolutionary step up the buffet ladder. And as always, if you bring in your atheist newsletter or church bulletin, you will receive a $2 discount off the buffet price. Cucumbers, one heavenly buffet at 75th and France, Medina.
5: I've never met another atheist. Sure you have. Non-believers make up 12% of the population. Then where are they? You can meet us at book clubs, pub crawls, discussion groups, movie nights, monthly meetings. Okay, I get it. How am I going to keep track of all this? Easy. Sign up for Minnesota Atheist Meetup Group and subscribe to AWE. What's a meetup group? Meetup is an online networking site that helps people build communities. We have over 700 members with at least two events every week. And what is A-W-E? It stands for Atheist Weekly Email. It comes out every Friday and lists everything that's going on.
6: How do
0: I
5: sign up? Go to the Minnesota Atheists website, minnesotaatheists.org. On the left, click on the words, Get Awe Inspired. And for the meetup? Look for the red meetup badge on the right. Above it are the words, click here to check out the meetup group. I'm
0: sold. Minnesota Atheists, Meetup, and AWE. What's that website again?
5: MinnesotaAtheists.org
0: Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Atheists Talk. I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan, and we are talking today with Alison Gill of American Atheists. Welcome back, Allison. Are you there, Allison? Oh, dear. Okay. We will work on that technical issue. Um, in the meantime, I am going to <laughs> grab a little bit more information about... Um, Hang on a sec. Okay, we have Allison back. Hooray! <laughs> you know <laughs> way more I'm about back. Project Blitz than I do. <laughs> I was I was going to try, but it was not going to be pretty. Um. So, obviously, talking about the the things that Project Blitz is working on is is sobering in general, and particularly for for atheists. Um. What is American atheists working to do? to to push back or to combat Project Blitz?
1: Great question. So we've built a national coalition of over 20 uh, different groups to sort of coordinate around opposition to Project Blitz. And this is not just secular groups. W- because Project Blitz targets many different issues and movements, including, for example, the reproductive rights movement and the LGBT equality movement, We really have to work with um, different movements in order to effectively combat this um, this, this campaign. And so we've invited many of these other groups to participate. And we've established a campaign website to oppose Project Blitz, which is www.blitzwatch.org. That's blitzwatch.org. And the um, you, you'll find there all sorts of different resources related to Project Blitz, including like a legislation tracker to see what's going on in your state. You'll um, talking points and other sort of materials for advocates uh, to oppose Project Blitz-related bills, and you know a lot of um, ex- explanation about what exactly Project Blitz is trying to do and why we're opposing it.
0: And how. Have you been at all successful? I know this is a huge undertaking and and requires building a lot of infrastructure to to get all this out, but um, what kind of results have you seen?
1: I think we've been very successful. We've certainly raised the profile of Project Blitz over the past year. You know, Project Blitz, one of its goals was to sort of operate in secrecy by establishing these prayer caucuses and taking lawmakers sort of by surprise. Um, it's really a deceptive campaign, and by exposing it, we can limit its power. Uh, what they do is establish these prayer caucuses, which, you know, on its face does not sound like a Christian nationalist thing. It just sounds like a religious thing. So they, uh, they're able to sort of deceive lawmakers who are religious, who are, you know, are not all Christian nationalists, into participating in this uh, caucus, which they just think might be about prayer or uh, religion more broadly. And then start off sort of with uh, low-key items, uh, maybe celebrating like the week of the Bible or something like that uh, through a resolution, and then build to worse policies and more destructive uh, legislation over time. Uh, and possibly in some states even bringing in people like, you know, Democrats, for example. So it, it really does, um, I, th- I think, by giving people more information about Project Blitz and also some... Messaging to oppose these bills when they're sort of come up in their states, we're really empowering people to oppose this campaign in a stronger way.
0: And I, I kind of want to highlight that about bringing in, um, bringing in lawmakers who are not interested in Christian nationalism. Um, you know, we as an org, as a movement, get pushback sometimes about um, why do we have to be such hardliners on these really harmless questions of um, religion and government. And so it turns out that that, those supposedly harmless issues in and of themselves are kind of a wedge.
1: Uh, Yes, absolutely. Um, The, you know, Project Bled's guidebooks are really clear about that too. They're meant to escalate. They're meant to start off with things like In God We Trust posters in schools. And we've seen, for example, in Florida... Um, they use horrible events like shootings to point to the need for more God in schools as if you know a poster would stop a shooting. But then you know in, you take advantage of those sorts of inc- incidents, introduce these bills, which don't get a lot of opposition because when they um, introduce these bills, and by the way, one was introduced in Minnesota uh, last year, uh, They basically attack lawmakers. Uh, who stand up and oppose the bills in the, in the legislature. This happened in Minnesota to a senator named Senator John Marty, who uh, opposed the In God We Trust in Schools bill. And so um, he, you know, he got dragged through the mud on places like Fox News and Breitbart for standing up and saying, you know, this is not my religious beliefs. I think this hurts religious freedom. It does not enhance religious freedom. Right, uh, And he's been a vocal uh, opponent of Project Blitz since that time.
0: It, he is, in general, a wonderful ally on secular issues. Religious himself, but he has a very strong understanding of religious freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, let's talk a little bit about what people can do. Um, obviously... Political attention keeps being drawn to the national level. There's a lot going on, um, but what can, a, aside from obviously going to Blitzwatch and and keeping an eye on their local legislation, what can people do? I mean, we're well, at a, a an election year. There has to be something we can do. There's always an election year.
1: Oh, certainly. I mean, I would I would encourage everyone to, of course, register to to vote. Um, that's actually one of the questions on the U.S. Secular Survey: Are you registered to vote? Because our um, community, non-religious people, tend to over- undervote um, based on the size of the population, which limits our effectiveness and power as a community. So it's really critical that we register and that we vote. Um, you know, and I'm not going to encourage anyone to vote in a specific way, but you know, register and and definitely vote. And then, you know, of course, you just mentioned the blitzwatch.org site. It um, has a lot of resources about Project Blitz and what its aims are. And we also at American Atheists um, have an action alert set up so that you can inform your local lawmakers about Project Blitz because it's most important that we tell people, lawmakers about Project Blitz at the state level because that's where its focus is. And so you can find the action alert at... um, atheist.org, which is our website, www.atheist.org. And when you you click on the action order, it will send an email about Project Blitz to your state senator and state representative so that they can become more informed about this campaign.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Allison. If you're willing to stick around, we will also record a Patreon extra. Um, But in the meantime, I'll send people to secularsurvey.org. Blitzwatch.org, and obviously atheists.org, is isn't it, for American Atheist's website? Yes, it is. All right. I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in to Atheist's Talk. This is Stephanie Zavan, your host. I'm proud to be on the air with Minnesota Atheists, and I hope you appreciate the show. The show depends on the generous support of our members, our sponsors, and our donors. Please consider supporting the show through the donation link at minnesotaatheists.org. This is Atheist's Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The podcast for the show will be on our radio page as soon as possible. Have a great Sunday, everybody.